And a hearty welcome to everyone to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is Tyler Yonke, episode 210. Today's show, look, the season's winding down, but we're going to break down stages 14 to 16 of the Vuelta a España. Chris Froome, what's his status? What's it look for 2021? Uh, some seven successful habits of a master's racer. We'll talk about that and mock a little bit of it. Uh, retirements and transfer news. Uh, the women get a race in the Vuelta and finish out their season as well. And Dylan Groenewijken, he gets penalized, but does Patrick Lefevre get justice? All coming up, like I said, episode 210, this is Tyler Yonke, the Between Two Wheels podcast, and thanks for joining us, uh, winding down our season. Um, hope you're getting some time out of the, you know, I went and did a ride midweek, uh, great weather out here in Northern California, and it's getting colder, and it's supposed to be pretty chilly coming up for the weekend, so look, it's uh, middle almost well, first part of November. I mean, what do you expect? Can't be summer all year round, right? But um, hey, everyone, thanks for joining us. If you're joining us on the live uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, go ahead and make any comments. We'll be able to uh, join those in as well. Okay, so last we checked out on the Vuelta, it was stage 13, the individual time trial, the Roglic stomped his way to a victory. Um, once again, Will Barta, the American for CCC, who needs a contract, by the way, for next year, 24-year-old, Missed out the stage win by one second. Mark Tucker, good to see you. Um, Mark, we're going to do a show at some point um, about the upcoming schedule and probably talk to you again uh, about uh, your racing out in Florida. So we'll, we'll keep that in mind. Um, so anyway, the, the Volta went off. Will Barta misses his, his stage win by one second. Uh, I think it was his bike change. You look at the Ruglic bike change, flawless, um, very good. Matter of fact, the push off was like uh, uh, bobsledding. Uh, whereas Will Bart had a little trouble, that one second could have cost him there. So um, that's that's too bad for him. It would have been something amazing. You know, does Ruglich need the extra uh, win in his Palmers? Probably not. Uh, stage 14. Uh, so all this week, Wednesday, Thursday. So the Tuesday was the time trial. So Wednesday, Thursday, today, Friday, some lumpy stuff, some climbs in there. You're looking for breakaways to get away uh, or at least a reduced field sprint type of situation. Uh, but you're not really looking for much out of uh, the, the GC race, you know, shakeup. But it's probably going to come down to, well, it's now going to come down to tomorrow. But I still thought there was some interesting stuff that took place. So stage 14, 200 plus kilometers. To, I mean, this was a nasty weather day as well. Um, actually, this one wasn't quite as bad. Uh, but long rolling day, lumpy. Um, should be in a, a field sprint or, or a break, I'm sorry, and, and that's exactly what it was. We got the, the green light from Mike Woods, Tim Willens, Mark Soler, uh, two other riders. Um, I'm trying to remember their names, but it was a, a Sunweb guy in there. Uh, anyway, the, the last bit of the road was real twisty, kind of like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and it set itself up. But coming into the finish, you had a little bit of a separation. I've seen this with Mike Woods too many times. Uh, comes over the top of a climb. We've had this with uh, Liege Bastogne Liege the last several years. When he moves, gets off, and he just doesn't quite connect, and then he doesn't descend as well as the others. And that happened. You had two guys, uh, three, two going up the road, Soler and, um, and another guy up there, and then uh, Tim Wellens ends up bridging up to them. And so then those three are, are flying up the road. It was the the quick, quick step guy, I believe, was up there with them, and they're flying up the road. So then... Um, the, the other two and uh, Mike Woods had to basically bring them back and they're working really hard to do so. And that that might play itself in there because the last 1K up the climb was a little bit twisty, a little bit of climby. They catch him right at the bottom of the climb. Mike Woods goes to the front. 
uh, maybe a little bit too early, um, but it looked like Tim Wellens maybe was the only one that really knew the route. He ends up coming around the corner, and, and the finish was like uh, you take a hard left, boom, the finish line's right there. So it was really odd. He took the inside corner, uh, nipped Mike Woods, and so Tim Wellens gets this uh, win. Mike Woods, another second place. Uh, interesting, though. So Mark Soler is up the road again. His team is obviously, well, he's not in uh, GC contention. Unric Mass is a little bit not quite in uh, contention as much as he was before because he lost a bunch of time in the time trial. So maybe it's okay letting getting him up the road, trying to get a stage win. I think that's perfectly fine. It was interesting, though, using the same concept of Mark Soler and Valverde up the road not being able to help their team leader in the mountains the next few days is Mike Woods. Uh, he's putting a lot of effort in that. Now, this was Wednesday, so, you know, he, uh, Carthy's going to need him tomorrow. Uh, and so we'll see how Mike Woods is. Uh, is he going to be a little bit depleted from the effort? Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, Hugh Carthy's uh, obviously strongly in, in third place. So if if you see Mike Woods um, <clears throat> kind of bowing out and not being able to stay up there when Carthy needs the help, uh, maybe you point back to stage 14 and say, hey, did you really need to do that? But once again, he narrowly missed the win. So no GC changes there. Stage 15, Puebla de Sabran, Mas to Pablo de Sanabria, lumpy once again, could be for their day breakaway, a long day out in the saddle. I think those guys ended up with the neutral zone, like 240 kilometers or so. Uh, I think it was just a riddled with cat three climbs and uh, long day wet. Uh, so, you know, it's a, that's kind of a day that you got to make sure you're fueling your, <clears throat> your GC rider, keeping him safe and warm. Um, no big wrecks for there. I did see that uh, coming to the finish line that they, uh, Results wise, uh, Chris Froome wasn't in there, and we'll talk about that in a little bit and give you a little update on him. Uh, as it was, the teams are all leading out for the finish, and um, you had Jesper Philipson, a young guy from UAE. I think he had been in with Action Berman before. Uh, he wins quite a nice little sprint win for him. I think that had already got rid of Bennett, so he wasn't really in the mix. And uh, very emotional. I mean, that guy was super, super happy as if he had just won a stage of a Grand Tour. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but his team was super excited, too. They were all around him. I haven't really seen that kind of excitement and celebration from a rider and a team, uh, you know, that big of a team that, that expects results. Uh, so it was really pretty cool. You know, his, his guys are like, oh, you know, we were really happy. You know, happy for you. I trusted you. So it was good to see Philipson uh, get the win. Uh, and then today, today's stage 16, Salamanca to Cuidad Rodrigo, uh, cat two and a cat one, but the cat one came about 40K to the finish with some still some up and down. You had a breakaway going on there, and you had Robert Stannard and uh, Remy Cavagna, um, kind of the two main protagonists in there, and they ended up shelling everyone else out of that break going up to cat one. It was just those two going over the top. They had, had like a five-minute lead going into this, but Ineo starts putting the hammer down and brings that down to, you know, in, right around a minute 20 or so over the top. And then those two guys are chasing. They're riding hard. Uh, Robert Stannard, uh, Australian, I believe, for Mitchelton Scott, Remy Cavagna, Italian for Dakota Quickstep. You might remember him from winning a stage here in uh, Tour of California. Horrible job descending. It was all over the news. And then he goes out, uh, does that La Provence race early on in the year that um, – up to last stage or two, up to uh, uh, on Mont Ventoux that uh, Nairo Quintana ended up winning the stage race. And he had a breakaway going into that. and He was descending much better. So you could see at least that he's starting to learn a little bit from his mistakes. Uh, today, once again, had had a chance. He gets rid of Standard at one point. Not related to Ian Standard, by the way. And we'll talk about him a little bit too. Um, 
So Robert Standard gets di distance and last 20K, you know, they're starting to bring those two down. And then uh, Ian Stan uh, <laughs> Remy Cavagna is out there all by himself and he's a strong motor. So he's he's going full bore, full bore. You know, you know, he can he can put it on for time trials as well. Uh, but it's just a little bit too much, even though it's a big reduced group in the back. Um, you know, you got all these uh, non sprinters and you got the GC guys going there. So sometimes it's easy to, to stay easier to stay away because there's really not a concerted effort like, oh, we're going to bring. The, but Mitchell and Scott had Dion Smith in there, movie star. They were pulling for, I guess, Valverde. UAE was was doing a little mix for Rui Costa. Um, and in the end, you catch uh, Cavagna in the last 2K and then a, a FDJ rider takes off and they close that down as well. But then you have the sprint and the sprint was interesting because. It, like I said, it's not uh, no lead out trains. It's a bunch of ragtag uh, GC guys going for it. And it looked worse than um, some of these pro riders that are getting relegated. You got zigzag, Rui Costa, dude, take a straight line. Maybe you win, you win this thing. He's zigzagging all over the road. Uh, Valverde is up the left-hand side. He's sprinting on his hoods. Um, he just sits up with like 25 meters or so to go, which kind of throws everything in the mix. On the right-hand side, you had Magnus Court Nilsson of EF shooting up there Dion smith never really got himself in the right position in the end ef gets their third stage win of the vuelta magnus court nelson uh posts up nicely for it uh, a little bit after the line as he should uh, but right behind the most interesting part is roglic gets a bike throw for second place over rui costa and valverde and carapaz and all the all the rest and he gets a six second time bonus so what's interesting is six 10 seconds was what he lost up the Angrelu, and he gets over half of that back today um, just by finishing well on the sprint. Um, so let's just take a little bit of breakdown that. So Roglic, he got the six-second time bonus. Uh, like I said, he lost 10 seconds on the Angrelu. He lost 43 seconds to Carapaz on stage six, which is the bad weather and the, the, the rain jacket day. So now he's up by 45 seconds on the GC because he got uh, from 35, 39 to 45. Um, he would have to really fall apart and have another like rain jacket type of day. Um, now, look, he could lose time. And with the stage, you know, the bonus seconds uh, for Carapaz, if he wins the stage, you know, and then he gets another, you know, so that'd be 10 seconds. Let's say, let's say that Ruglitz just falls apart. Carapaz gets a stage win. Now he's got to beat him by 35 seconds. Well, like I said, the one day you saw him losing some time was 43 seconds. And that was a really bad day. He didn't have any teammates around him. They had all, you know, Planet, uh, just dump themselves out to help him even get up to the the, the, the climb itself. So it, if he has another incident like that, mechanical type of thing, team managers are taking a piss in the, in the car again, you know, like they did in the Vuelta and the Giro, uh, possibly. Um, so I, I don't see that being too much of a big issue. Now let's take an EF real quick. Three stage wins at the Vuelta and their Grand Tours of the Year. Danny Martinez wins at the Tour de France. Cricado and Guerrero and the Giro. Um, they had Woods, Magnus, Court Nelson, and Carthy have all won here in the Vuelta with, you know, a second place, two second places by Woods. I think Carthy's been really close up there several times as well. And obviously Carthy's in third overall in GC. That's very impressive. Um, Ineos, no wins at the Vuelta. Okay. Jumbo, no wins at the Giro. Um, I don't think Sunweb has won anything here at the Vuelta as well. So I don't know if there are any other teams with a win in all three Grand Tours. That's something uh, we can take a look at and kind of give a, if one of you guys happens to know, um, chime in on that. So maybe one of the most successful as far as, you know, stage win uh, for Grand Tours, you know, spreading it out this year. And if they end up getting a, a podium spot here with Hugh Carthy, that will be uh, really playing to 
another, you know, look last year, I was saying that the best grand tour team of the year was jumbo. They had, you know, Ruglich is third at the Giro. Um, Kroizic was third at the tour de France and then he wins the Giro. So they, I mean, the, the Vuelta, the Roglic does. So they, they obviously, you know, every, they were podium on all of those and had a bunch of stage wins, you know, Sepp wins at the Vuelta uh, stage as does uh, Roglic. And they had a, they had a really good season with that. Um, Ineos destroyed the Giro. Uh, I say destroyed, even though it was a close race, they had a ton of stage wins. Ghana's up and down. I mean, just, they, they had a real good, um, real good Giro. So good for them, which was interesting because their main guy gets taken out and then they were expected to do well at the tour. Do you know that uh, Bernal rides for them? Uh, who even remembers that anymore? All right. Upcoming stages, um, stage 17 tomorrow. That's going to be the one to Alta de la Calvita. Uh, 176 kilometers, a cat one, a three, a three, a three, a two, and then a cat one finish. That will be the ride unless there's, you know, going into Madrid, it's not going to be anything. So it'll be a sprint stage. I, I likely see Bennett there. Um, uh, you know, the GC is going to play interesting because there, there could be a, you know, there's so many guys that get in the break now and they're like 45 minutes back. So you may let those go, but those guys may get, you know, if, if there's a lot of attacking, which there should be, I mean, Carapaz, you know, look, he's won the Giro before. So, uh, second place doesn't really mean much. Uh, it's for the win and or, not, or nothing. Same with Hugh Carthy, although Carthy might be in a spot where he's like, I, I just want to be podium. So he may not be super aggressive, but I, I expect both of those Enric Mas, he's going to come from below, you know, quite a ways out. So maybe he's going to take a shot, but I really don't think he's, he's a guy you can let go up the road a little bit. So, um, it's really about the, the Carapaz and what he can attack and put on to uh, Roglic. And then Roglic has the team to to support him. I'll just say real quick though, um, Froome, you know, he's last few days up in the mountains there, he was actually able to support Carapaz. And he's saying he's uh, <clears throat> he's enjoying the tour like he hasn't really vaulted like he's never done before. He's able to do his work, his legs are coming around. You know, he had what, six months or so, nine months, I think, totally off the bike. So he's, uh, he's starting to feel a little better. There was a, a photo or video of this guy running next to him in the time trial you know he did use he didn't swap bikes by the way for the tt uh going up the climb and that thing was steep um if you go look at it, cycling weekly it's this guy riding next to him and Froome actually has the wherewithal as he's suffering up this you know 18 percent climb in his tt bike he looks over at the guy and says basically that he's in, in spanish that I'm impressed um because the guy was running alongside him for quite some time um but you know that that's uh that's Froome there. He didn't sign on to stage 15. I noticed that was, he wasn't in the results. Uh, evidently, he didn't sign on. And they have a 52-week rolling um, points system, you know, for the UCI. And he gets deducted points for not uh, from the UCI points for not signing in before the stage. So he's actually at a ne- <laughs> negative right now for UCI points. Ooh, is that gonna is that gonna affect his uh, contract going on? Um, I I tend to think. I look, it's been somewhat. He's a positive, and we'll talk about some of these guys that are retiring, forced retirements. One thing you got to say about Froome, um, and it may seem a little naive on his part, but he seems super positive. So if you're going through something like what he's going through, he's obviously a hard worker, and you're a super positive guy, I think that only bodes well for um, you trying to actually come back. I mean, Yosha Balaki, when he went down and broke his you know, hip and I don't know if it was femur or whatever else he did there um, in Tour de France going into it was a gap. Uh, he, with the lance going through the field, he never really was anything coming back, you know, and that could, that could happen to riders. Uh, Taylor Finney, kind of same thing. Um, you know, Peter Stettner had some bad injuries, but he, he, he was not quite the same rider, um, as, as Froome obviously, but I think he came back to his full strength. Uh, so it'll be interesting, you know, 
coming back to leading world tours and um, grand tours and everything, and and especially as his age gets older, I think it's just going to be really different. But I think he's got the the mindset to at least make it interesting for us. Um, I would kind of hope. I don't know. The women, they're doing three stages uh, at Madrid there, or the, the, well, the Madrid Challenge, I think they're calling it. Uh, and today they had the first one. It was the one by Lorena. And there's nothing. They're, they're going to have like a little highlights package. And then uh, Sunday's race is going to be live, I think. Uh, Lorena Weebs of Team Sunweb won that over Elisa Balsama, uh, Lisa Brenauer. And then uh, in second place, 12 seconds back. So there's just a little bit of a gap there. But uh, Alexis Ryan of Canyon SRAM, American, in seventh place. So we'll keep our eye on that. I, I don't know if the three stages are, if they're um, combined as t on time, or if they're more like just three, you know, like uh, Omnium type of thing. I'm not sure. I, I imagine it's a, it's a time issue. So I think there's a time trial mix in there, which would, would make sense. Um, some predictions here. I think uh, you're going to end up seeing just the, the, the top overall uh, as it is, Ruglitch, Carapaz, and Carthy. Um, I've seen, you know, Carthy has put some time on Carapaz, uh, dropping him on Angnirulu uh, at stage six as well. He put a little bit of distance on him uh, when he also was putting on. But, and, but it needs to be super steep for Carapaz to get dropped by Carthy. I think that's kind of how it is. And I don't think these stages, these last mountains, are quite like what we've seen before. So I, I tend to think it's going to be um, right up the same. Guillaume Martin, he's got the KOM jersey. It's been kind of fun to watch him. He's been really aggressive, getting the, and it's nice to see an actual climber get the climber's jersey. Green jersey is going to be done by Roglic, and I would say Bennett's still in the race. He'll win the last stage. Okay, so there's some news out about some forced retirements and some transfer news. Uh, Johan Alfredo, Wanty Group Gobert, I don't know what they're called, Circus Wanty or something now. Um, he's being forced into retirement. Um, he said he's got a lot of depression. And he's, he's like, I, I knew what it was as a cyclist, but I don't really know what I am as a, a, just a person. <laughs> okay, so look, judging yourself on how you ride is, is somewhat a, a bad way to go through life too, right? It's, it's difficult. I think it's something cyclists have to try to get through and around is um, your well-being or your worth as a cyclist and your results and how you're training and everything. You got to sometimes step back from that and realize you're, you've got a job, you have something else, we're not pros, but even pros, you know, they've got to, you can't, Oh, I had a bad result. I mean, that's a that's a tough thing to go through. Uh, always trying to determine yourself on your last result, uh, and so there's you know different mindsets to get through. Now, this person is no longer even racing, and he says, you know, he used to you know 30 hours a week on the bike. Uh, you know, it's easy to go to sleep. Now he's up at three o'clock in the morning, bored, can't go to sleep because he's not tired enough. Yikes, um, a little rough there. Uh, Ian Stannard, he's got rheumatoid arthritis. I guess he was in trying to work through this and hoping he had some solutions. So he's being forced to retire as well. He's won some classics there with Ineos. Uh, transfer market, Joey Roscoff is going to rally. Now, Raleigh's really pushed themselves up. He was a CCC, and Raleigh has been really pushing themselves up, getting more and more in the continental stuff. So I don't see that that's such a down play for him going down further. Um, Trek's women's team, maybe we'll talk a, take a little look about uh, who they, they announced their uh, lineup for the next season. And uh, Taylor Wiles, I think she's staying on there for going to be well into the next two years. Lizzie Dynan, Lisa Borghini, Eleanor Backstedt, that's Magnus Backstedt's daughter, um, Lucinda Brand, Audrey Corden Raga, uh, Amalia Diedrichsen, Loretta Hansen, Chloe Hoskins uh, from Australia. Let me see, they have two Americans on here. Taylor Wiles, Ruth Widner, it's good to see her. Trixie Warwick, Ellen Van Dyke staying with them. Um, solid. 
solid group there for the women. And then um, let's talk about some riders that are going to be out of contract for this year and kind of <laughs> a concern about um, some of these guys. And it's interesting to see who is who is going to be in and who is going to be out as far as who's, you know, some, some famous people here. So let's take a look here. This is from Cycling News. So the three main guys that show up here, Nozolo, Cavendish, and Aru. And remember Wiggins had said earlier that um, Cavendish should be just offered a, a contract no matter what because he's, he's him. So we'll start with Fabio Aru. Fabio Aru, I mean, he, remember what, he dropped out of the tour. The team was scathing in their remarks about him mentally and all these things. You know, this guy's won the Giro. Um, he came out and at the same time as Joe Dombrowski and you know, you're kind of like, hey, Joe's a decent rider. Um, he's not had the accolades and, and the, the Palmeiras that uh, Fabio Rue has. But, you know, he's won stages at the Tour, uh, but he's just really, he had that iliac surgery with fixing his leg. And, you know, also Dombrowski. So maybe it's something that came out that year for those guys. I don't know. Um, so he, he hadn't had a contract and some speculation about where he's going to go. But I don't think his Tour de France little escapade with the team and dropping out when they could have used his help was much, uh, much thing. Uh, Mark Cavendish, I don't know where he's going to go. Uh, he hasn't really done much at all. He got in a few breaks early, you know, Brabantis Peel maybe was the race there, or Brinkbank, one of those where he was getting the breakaway on a few races, but, you know, nothing really that he was able to, to correlate into anything. Will Barta, it's good to have him on the same list. This is a 24-year-old, just gets one second off of winning a stage at the, 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 the Vuelta. Impressive, too, that time trial. So, you know, that flat, got a power away, and then the climb, good to see him, former action rider. Victor Kampenartz. The dude's strange, and you remember he had his, you know, wanted a date thing on his jersey a few years ago. Um, then he was in the hyperbaric chamber all all season over COVID. Uh, didn't quite work out for him at Worlds, but, you know, with NTT possibly folding, although they're saying they're like 60% chance. Doug Ryder, their, their manager there, um, said that they might have one. Look, there was a, there's also a, a movie on, um, I think it's called The Dream. It's on YouTube. It's all about NTT and Quebec. Uh, it, kind of their development and it's pretty well done it's a little boring in parts um but it really goes into their whole charity and and talks with ben king you know him winning two stages of the, the vuelta a few years ago was kind of a big deal for them um, sergio hanau uae he's got no place to go as well matthew gibson didn't really know much about him he was with burgos uh, bh you know look you're already at a continental level team and you're not getting a contract that's that's probably not uh, showing good signs um more ccc fallout um jakob Murakatso, i don't know Murakso, co um, Polish rider, I imagine, and that's probably you know his greatest claim of getting on that team too, because the Polish team. Roman Kordzinger, another NTT um, fallout for him. You know, former really good rider. Um, you know, but he's getting older there. He's 34, so you know what's the prospects? I mean, everyone's younger coming in now. Uh, Robert Power, he's been in some breaks here at the Vuelta. By the way, if I was him, I'd just go by the nickname Max. Um, that's one of the <laughs> it's one of the names that Homer Simpson wanted to be changed to, Max Power. And I think uh, I would just call myself Max if I was Robert Power. I think that's uh, his, his parents did a disservice by calling him Robert. Giancomo uh, Nozolo, I think he won an uh, NTT. I think he won the stage early on in the Tour Down Under this year. He was looking to come through pretty well, um, but, you know, just hasn't really had much uh, in the way of anything else for, for his um, season. So that's, that's a bunch of riders that we have that are kind of missing out in um, some spots that we don't. Um, we don't have four for those riders. Uh, I thought we'd also go over here. I saw this interesting article on Velo News. It was a uh, key features to seven healthy habits 
of a successful masters racer. And I also thought it was, um, there were some funny parts in there. So maybe we'll just take a look at this and we can talk about some of these things. Um, since I am a master's racer and I do some healthy things. So some of you guys out there, you might want to take a, take note of this. Um, some, and so I asked some different writers and here's, here's a breakdown of, of these key things that all these successful master's racers do. And you see if you do any of these, uh, they ride in the morning. I don't. So maybe that's, I'm not successful for that. They follow a training plan using a power meter. Okay. Well, I do not really follow a training plan anymore. I used to, maybe when I was more successful, I do use a power meter. Uh, they rest when rest is needed. That is uh, one thing I do get plenty of is rest. They win in the kitchen. Well, my wife takes care of the kitchen, so and she is a winner. So I guess I'm doing it. They recover well. Yeah, I guess so. But see, that, that falls into rest when it's needed. They are year-round athletes. Yeah, am I? They enjoy training, working hard, and setting goals. Okay, some of that. Um, I, but what I thought was interesting about this, um, you know, you can read through this, those different coaches. <laughs> they have maybe this is why I think this is a hoax. Uh, they have Phil Guyman on there. They they focus on the big picture and don't obsess over the small stuff. First of all, he's not a master's racer. Second of all, what? That's so untrue. Have you talked to any of these Pete's writers, uh, Mark Tucker, any myself? We don't, we focus on the big picture and don't obsess over the small stuff. That's bullshit. We obsess over ridiculous things. Um, the, the only ones that complain on races are the masters racers. It's always, it's, it's little stuff. Little stuff is the big picture for masters racers. Um, Colby Pierce, they cross chain. Well, okay. Maybe we're talking about successful. Once again, successful masters racers, uh, totally do cross chain. I don't, um, I, although I used to play a lot of volleyball when I was coaching, uh, the girls and my, my son's volleyball teams, um, that really does help. But, um, lately I've just been building chicken coops in uh, my garage. So, um, Adam Meyerson says they do intervals. Now there's, there's key for me. I, I do, that's all I do unless I do a group ride. It's, it's all interval training, uh, over and over. And, uh, if I did three intervals as a pro says Meyerson, I only did two as a master, never leave it all out there. And during a road training, ride home, feeling good, save the energy for your family. I don't know. Frank Overton, uh, they win in the kitchen. That's probably true. Final thoughts. Keep it in perspective. That is not something that a good master's racer does is to keep it in perspective. I don't believe <laughs> that's anything that they have the ability to do. Um, maybe you can chime in on, on what your successful habits are. Maybe I'll um, come up to one to do what's a, an unsuccessful master's racers uh, routine. And some of you guys can help me on that. Um, some winners and losers. First of all, EF education. Uh, first, I just did a little brief thing with them uh, and they're racing. Once again, stellar. I, Mike Woods, you know, you're going to Israel. You've really done a good job for that team for the Vuelta. Um, once again, should have been in the tour. Unbelievable that uh, Jonathan Vodders and these guys think that uh, TJ Van Garderen should have been at the tour instead of Woods. Um, ridiculous. <clears throat> I think there's a chance that he could have got a stage win at the tour as well. That's just the kind of rider he is. Um, although, I, you know, it, it sounded like to me it was between him or Nelson Palace. That's, that's a... Have them both in there. Nelson's the future as well, hopefully. Um, and the fans. I think the fans are uh, got a benefit of this condensed season. It's been a bit much trying to follow along and keep track of everything, but it's been uh, it's been really good. Uh, Magnus Court Nielsen, winner today, is also a COVID-19 survivor. He said he had COVID, uh, and he only had back on training before the Vuelta for three weeks, he said. Uh, and he's also a Grand Tour stage winner. Is this their first COVID survivor slash Grand Tour stage winner? I know... Um, Gaviria had it, but I don't think he won a stage of any of the uh, Grand Tours. So 
we could have our first COVID-19 survivor slash winner. Uh, and I'm saying because uh, Philip Ogana uh, just got diagnosed with rest in peace, Philip. Uh, it was nice knowing you, um, but he just got diagnosed with COVID. So uh, likely him surviving are, are very slim. And, um, you know, you had a good season. You had a good 2020. It was nice knowing you. Uh, we enjoyed it. Uh, but he didn't have COVID and then race and win a grand stage. So a tour stage. So, so there you have it. Lastly, we'll talk about uh, Gronewagen. He's facing a nine-month ban for his Jakobsen crash at the Tour of Poland. Um, once again, did, did Patrick Lefevre, did he end up getting justice out of this? I don't know. Uh, the UCI, let's see if we can uh, maybe put this up on the screen as well. We can read this one along together. Um, Gronewagen, I, I think it was an independent panel, that, which is interesting as well. Like, maybe they should have that, you know? There's this gentleman, a bad side story, a guy that uh, died um, police shooting several years ago, I think out in Detroit, go figure. Uh, and his dad's a pilot, and he's like, oh, it was interesting. The police cleared it. It was a, you know, we, it happened in front of the family house. And he's like, so we saw what happened. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a justified shooting, according to him. But the police investigated themselves. And he's like, it seems odd, you know, when we have a plane wreck, um, the NTSB comes in. It's not the, uh, you know, Alaska Airlines goes down. They don't investigate it themselves. It's an independent board. So this is kind of happening. It sounds like with the UCI, which might be good, but what's that board made up of? I'm, I'm assuming these are people that know what they're talking about. UCI yet to confirm the punishment, which was reportedly determined by an independent committee. I don't know that I have a problem with that. Problem is, is was this a kind of wreck? And look, it was just too, too much, I guess, for them not to... Um, make a big deal about it and try to do it. But nine months, um, didn't run away and reportedly received a nine month ban for cycling role in his Dequina quick sex sprinter, Fabio Jakobsen's crash on stage one of the tour of Poland. According to reports, an independent arbitration committee determined the ban, which will be imposed retroactively from August and run through May 6, 2021. Yikes. So he's going to miss out on the beginning part of the season. Uh, on the day of the crash, the UCI stated that the incident had been referred to the disciplinary committee Though the process now looks to have been outsourced. Back in August, the UCI released a statement condemning Gronewagen, who dangerously deviated from his line. Yeah, he did. He caused a pileup. Um, who's investigating the UCI for the barriers and how that last stage finished? You know, we talked about this before. That there's no way a rider should go into the barriers, even though it's at full speed, and just disintegrate them, end up in a railroad track, and having, you know, gendarmes, I guess, not, I don't know what they're called in Poland, but uh, the police service, everyone out there trying to save these people's lives. That's uh, that's too much. Let's, let's see what this guy says. Richard Diaz, that's too much. The guy gone through enough. I believe you're talking about Gronewagen, and I believe you are correct. I think his uh, punishment, in a sense, has been uh, the the effects he's felt from the the, the social media. Patrick Lefevre saying he's a criminal. Uh, we've seen over and over since that incident multiple sprinting violations, you know, Sagan at the tour, Bennett just recently at the Volta, Bennett's was was nothing really in compared. But the, it was the horrific crash, but for leaning into the barrier and the barriers disintegrating like that, this would never have been um, an issue that it has been ripped up to be. So I, I think that's a bit over the top and they're obviously using him as a scapegoat in a sense. And it, it once again, it pushes any of the liability to the, I haven't heard anything about the, um, the organizers, Richard Diaz says, yes, he was talking about going away. I agree. Um, hasn't heard anything about this to the, the organizers. Haven't heard any repercussions 
to this for um, the UCI itself. I'm putting it all on Grona Wagon, and that's that's where we're at. So, all right, everybody, two stages left. One real good one, the Vuelta a España, uh, stage 17 tomorrow. Remember, it's uh, cut down to 18 stages since we don't have. They started a little late, so I'm I'm pretty thrilled about this. I think it's going to be a barn burner tomorrow. Maybe we'll do a recap on Sunday, kind of see how everything goes. Other than that, everyone, enjoy the winter. It's coming. It's coming for you.